welcome, welcome, welcome. I would like to welcome you to episode 339 of the Impopular Podcast. This is the man, the myth, the legend, Jalen Hunter. And here at the Impopular Podcast, I'm not really asking you to agree with me. I'm asking you to hear me out. What the Miami Heat have done is they have proven the mantra or they've proven the the statement styles make fights also they've proven the statement that you want to get hot at the right time you see (laughs) miami was about to make history in all of the worst ways don't get me wrong and they would they would have found themselves in a realm that I don't think they understand how tough it is to get out of that realm if they ever would have been able to get out of that realm. You see, when we talk about the Golden State Warriors, right, what's one thing that always gets brought up? We can talk about the greatness of Steph Curry. We can talk about their 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 you know dynasty that they've had. One thing that always gets brought up is 2016 when they blew a 3-1 lead in the NBA Finals to the Cleveland Cavaliers. That is a realm in history that they will never get out of. I'm sure that the Boston Bruins are probably going to be in that realm as well, having the best regular season, uh, most points, most wins in a regular season by a hockey team by NHL team, and you get bounced out the first round after being up 3-1 against the Florida Panthers, which we'll talk about the Stanley Cup playoffs in a second. But first and foremost, at every single turn, Miami should not have been here. Think about they've had one of the most improbable runs to the NBA finals that we've ever seen now think about it they are the first team in NBA history now yes I understand that it's new but they are the first team in NBA history to make the NBA finals after playing in a play-in game not just that they're the first team to make it to the NBA finals after losing their first play-in game so you lose your first playing game to the Atlanta Hawks you come back, you have to make a an epic comeback against the Chicago Bulls to win the second playing game. Then you go up against the number one seed, the best team in the NBA, or the best regular season team in the NBA, the, the Milwaukee Bucks. A lot of people can test, or a lot of people are going to say the reason why they won the Miami Heat is because Giannis was injured. I don't know. Giannis did miss about two and a half games. I don't I, look. You can say what you want. In those two and a half games, the Miami Heat got destroyed one game. Drew Holiday went crazy. Chris Milton went crazy. So I'm not going to just put it all on Giannis being hurt. You beat who's in front of you. You play who's in front of you. And the Miami Heat beat the number one team in the NBA. That's the that's the second improbable cog to this wheel. Then you go up against a team that, while you arguably you could arguably be better than, but is hot. And that we we say you want a team you you don't want to play a hot team, especially in the playoffs because anything's bound to happen. Well, they played the New York Knicks, and you can say on paper that you know the Miami Heat were better, but a lot of people, including myself. 
pick the Knicks to win. You know, I'm not gonna I'm gonna I'm not gonna hold you. I have picked the Miami Heat to lose every single round. I didn't accept the plan. I had them winning the plan, but I, I just didn't think the Miami Heat were gonna get here. So I'm I'm not gonna sit on a high horse and say I knew this whole time. I didn't. You can go back to past episodes. I had no faith in the Miami Heat. And why would I have faith in Miami Heat? What have the Miami Heat put gave me faith? Like, think about what we saw this regular season in the Miami Heat. Inconsistency. You know, you, you dealt with injuries. Jimmy Butler got hurt a couple times. Like, you, you've, it's just been a season of inconsistency when we talk about scoring. They were one of... The they they took I think the least amount of threes or one of one team that took the least amount of threes in, in the NBA and didn't and now yeah they were like really high on the percentage but they didn't take a lot and offensively if they're 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 such a microwave type team where if they're on they're on and it's it's hard to stop as we'll we'll talk about Game Seven as we saw in Game Seven but when they're off boy <laughs> and we even saw we even saw the the ebbs and flows of this Miami Heat team in the entire playoffs round 1 you you, you beat you, Jimmy Butler goes off for 50 you, you beat the the Bucks one game the very next game you lose by like 50 you saw in the Knicks game, easy, you know, you, you go to the garden, the Knicks are down, Jim, uh, Julius Randle, he's he's inconsistent, and you lose. Now, ultimately, they did win every series, of course, but, you know, it's, it's just been an inconsistent year for the Miami Heat, so nothing in me thought that they were going to rally and be the first or the second eight seed in NBA history to make it to the NBA Finals. But let's get to this series right here. And that is the series against the Boston Celtics. And we're going to talk I'm going to I'm going to do a, a mini deep dive on the Boston Celtics in a second. But the Miami Heat made history could have made history in all the worst worst ways. Now they didn't, but they could have. You see you go up 3-1 I mean, 3-0, that is the most shocking thing to me, especially when we talk about this Celtics team and, and how they've looked all year. But you go up 3-0, and then you proceed to go on a three-game losing streak. I know you, it doesn't really it's, – it's hard to hear that when you, when you really think about it, but they went on a three-game losing streak in the conference finals and had to force a game seven. And every single game you heard their star player, Jimmy Butler, go, hey, we're going to win next game. But they didn't. I had absolutely no faith that, well, first I was shocked that the Miami Heat even made it to the NBA final, or NBA Conference Finals. I was shocked that they were up 3-0. But once the, the – I said this. If they lose game six – which was at home, and we saw how epically or how epic the, the game ended. I said, if they lose game six, they're going to lose the series. Because I couldn't fathom a Boston Celtics team losing a game seven 
of the Eastern Conference Finals at home after completing an epic comeback, being down 3-0 to force it to a Game 7, and being the first team to come back from 3-0 and have a Game 7 on your home court. Just didn't think that was going to work. I didn't think I didn't think the Miami Heat were going to going to, you know, do it. But they did. And the Miami Heat is also have also shown especially in this playoffs that while yes, a star is important. Jimmy Butler is their best player in the hands down. A star is very important and you need your star to be a star to play. You need uh, not to play. You need your star to be a star to advance. You need your stars to win. We're going to talk about the Celtics in a second. But what the Miami Heat has also shown you is it can't just be one player. I was off last week. I took a break. Um, I was on vacation, so there's that. So I didn't get to talk about the how the Denver Nuggets and L.A. Lakers series ended and how the Lakers got swept. However, LeBron James did go out with, I think he scored like 40 points on a near triple-double. But nobody else really came to help him that game. Not Anthony Davis, not Rui Hachimura, like Austin. No one helped him that game. And that was a pure example that stars – no matter, and yes, LeBron James is older, but when you're when you're in the playoffs, it's, it's more than just a star league. It's more, or it's more than just stars that can get you there. Stars, let me say, this, stars need to be stars, but you need other people. And the Miami Heat have have Caleb Martin, in my opinion, should have been the Eastern Conference MVP, Eastern Eastern Conference Finals MVP. While, yes, Jimmy Butler was their best player, Caleb Martin kept them well, – he was the most consistent Heat player in this conference finals. That's with Jimmy Butler on the team. That's with Bam Adebayo on the team. Caleb Martin was the re- – not only that, Caleb Martin is probably the reason they won game seven. When you when you have a that's that's kind of what happens. Um, if you want to go back a little bit, and I feel like I talk about the Golden State Warriors a lot. I promise you, I'm not a Golden State Warriors fan. I like basketball. I'm just not a Golden State Warriors fan. But if you want to go, if you want to explain how or, or the impact of Caleb Martin, right? If you want a better explanation, look at was it game. Or game five of the of the Golden State Lakers series, and when Lonnie Walker went off, let me take you guys behind the curtain a little bit. Now, no, I've never played in the NBA. I never played overseas. I've never played professionally, but I did play college basketball, and I like to think that college basketball and the NBA do have some similarities when we talk about scouting. Every game, you watch film, you have a, a, a sheet of paper, sometimes it's a couple of sheets, sometimes it's a booklet. But you have a scout, a scouting report that shows everybody on the team or how you're going to win, 
nearly everyone's on the team's strengths, weaknesses, and and what you have to do to not let the other team go off. And I can promise you that Lonnie Walker is not is probably not on that scout, was not on the scouting report for the Golden State Warriors, which is why he was able to go off for like 15 points in that fourth quarter. Going into this series, I can almost promise you that Caleb Martin was not on the Boston Celtics scouting report. And I'm, and that's not that's not saying that I'm not talking about the coaching. I'm not saying how that was uh, not good. It just happens. You can't scout everyone. And, you, you know, you want to put your attention and focus on who it has to be on. For instance, if you want to talk about this series, Game 6, we know about the, you know, the, the historic game winner from Derek White. I promise you, the Miami Heat did exactly what they were supposed to do on that scout. On, you know, you don't let Jason Tatum get the ball. Number two, you don't let the second option get the ball, which is Jalen Brown. You don't let the third option get the ball, which is usually Al Horford or Marcus Smart. You have three seconds left. Now, yes, I maybe wish you would have boxed out, but exactly how they exactly how they wanted to do it defensively is how they did it. It's just you don't, you know, you have a perfect tip in with the game's over. Caleb Martin is probably not was probably not on the Miami Heat's or no, was probably not on the Boston Celtics scouting report, but I promise you by the end of that series he was. Caleb Martin was their best player in the Eastern Conference Finals. And now we're sitting here today and the Miami Heat are playing in yet another NBA Finals. You know what's funny? We talk about greatness a lot, right? And we talk about team greatness. We talk about dynasties. We talk about, and of course, when we when we talk about dynasties, winning has to be a part of that. But one of the biggest reasons why I think that Eric Spolstra is probably the best coach in basketball, and why you can never count out the Miami Heat in the regular season. Now, yes. I was I I've done that from time to time. Don't get me wrong. Like especially this year, I'm like Miami Heat have absolutely no shot to do anything. Just just because of regular season. So I'm being a hypocrite of what I'm saying right now, or I have been a hypocrite, and I've definitely done what I'm telling us not to do. But if you look. The Miami Heat have been a top-tier franchise for probably since their inception. Like, think about it. You have the Alonzo Mourning Miami Heats. Heats. <laughs> Miami Heat. You have the D-Wade Miami Heat, Shaquille O'Neal. And, of course, you have LeBron James and Chris Bosh, the big three. And then you have a little bit of a lull, like, uh, but then you get Jimmy Butler. And think about this, since the bubble, right? Since the bubble, the Miami Heat have gone to 
three, three Eastern Conference Finals. And now this will be their second NBA Finals appearance since the bubble. Now, of course, they went in the bubble. You know, they went to the NBA Finals in the bubble last year. Game seven. They took a game seven in the Eastern Conference Finals. Jimmy Butler missed a three-pointer. This year, they they they're in the they're in the NBA Finals yet again. Shouts out to Pat Riley. Shouts out to the Miami Heat for making it to the Eastern Con- or making it to the NBA Finals. It's it's incredible, man. It's incredible the consistency. Even though you know we talk about Golden State a lot because they win. Now, and that's no shot to the Miami Heat, but the Miami Heat are constants when we talk about the NBA Finals. Or they've been for the last couple years, and probably since, what, 2013, 12, something like that. Now, I'm not saying they went every year, but they've been in contention majority of those years to, since until now. So, shouts out to the Miami Heat. Shouts out to Jimmy Butler. Shouts out to Caleb Martin. Uh, shouts out to the Heat team for making it to the NBA Finals. Sec- or second time making it to the NBA Finals since the bubble. Now, let's talk about the Boston Celtics for a second. Think about this. This is the second year in a row when the Boston Celtics lost to a team that they were better than. Let that let that sink in for a second. This is the second year in a row that the Boston Celtics have lost to a team that they're better than. This is also the second year in a row that the Boston Celtics have been blown out in their final game of the season. Now, yes, one came in the NBA Finals, which is last year against the Golden State Warriors. And one happened in the Eastern Conference Finals this year against the Miami Heat. The second year in a row that the Boston Celtics have lost to a team that, A, they're better than, and, B, they've, they got blown out. Joe Missoula has been a, a huge topic when we talk about the Boston Celtics and their struggles that they've seen this postseason. I mean, you you're forced to a six or six games against the Atlanta Hawks. You <laughs> mind you, the the Boston Celtics are the better team. You're forced. You're down three two to the Philadelphia Seventy Sixers, and then now you ultimately lose in the Eastern Conference Finals and the Game Seven against the Miami Heat. All teams, by the way, that you are better than, or at least that you were better than the in the regular season. Again, a lot of talk has been behind Joe Missoula, right? A lot of talk has been Joe Missoula's not ready. Joe Missoula's not a good coach. Joe Missoula's this. Joe Missoula's that. The reason why the Boston Celtics are struggling is because of Joe Missoula. Here's where I will give 
blame. Here is the blame that I'm going to give Joe Missoula. First and foremost, Joe Missoula should never was should never have been put in the position to get this job. At least right now. you we know what happened to him, Udoka. The number one assistant, I think I forgot his name, but the number one assistant that usually was pretty much in line to get the job went on the Lakers coaching staff. So it pretty much just fell on Joe Missoula's lap. Like, all right, we're going to do this. And I think it's funny when we talk about the people that are blaming Joe Missoula for this, right? And Joe, I think Joe Missoula finished like second or third in coach of the year voting. I said that the playoffs, where where coaches are important in the playoffs is getting your team ready to play, whether that's having all the information that they need and putting them in the best positions to execute a game plan that can win you the game. That is where I will put blame on Joe Missoula. I feel that in the playoffs, especially the late game situation, I've talked about it on this podcast multiple times. I hate the 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 Boston Celtics late game situation. Their late game plays it, it just they look so clunky. It's it's bad. And where you we are we are seeing the effects of of Ime Udoka not being there is of course on the defensive side of the ball. Last year the Boston Celtics were one of the best defense, statistically, one of the best defenses we've ever seen. This year, they were they were good. They were they were good, but they were nowhere close to what they were last year. And one of the biggest reasons why I brought up the fact that this is the second year in the row that the Boston Celtics have lost when they are the better team is because. One, it's not just it's not on Joe Missoula. Joe Missoula, while yes, he can improve, and I think that he's going to get better with time. I mean, he's still I think the youngest coach in the NBA, and I think Al Horford is older than him. Now I think about it, so it's going to take time. But I was trying to emphasize the fact of this happened under Ime Doka's watch, and this happened under Joe Missoula's watch. So it's not just the coach. But what is the common denominator? In both teams, you know, the team last year and the team this year, it's the stars. You see, I told you guys, stars get you, stars have to be stars, especially in the playoffs, especially as the closer you get to the to the NBA finals, the clo- that's where stars have to pick it up. The reason why we're hearing. A lot of this, a reason why there's so much confusion is because, how do I put this into perspective? How do I, how do I put this into words? Um, of course, it doesn't, it, it doesn't all go on the shoulders of Jason Tatum. And Jalen Brown. 
as a team sport, you know, you need contributions from everyone. But in a series, you have seven games to prove who you are. And we've seen Jason Tatum at his best. I mean, we just saw Jason Tatum last series or in the Eastern Conference semifinals drop 50, what, 51 points in a game seven. There's been multiple times we've seen Jalen Brown have 40, 40 plus point games. But when your stars are needed, they're you they need to show up or they're going to lose. That's just plain and simple. In the regular season, habits are made. I talk about that all the time, which is why I'm one of the I'm one of the proponent like I am very big on on the regular season being important, especially for playoff teams, because you build habits. Remember the 2000, was it 16? Yeah, I think 2016. Uh, no, 2017, 18, 2018. Yeah, remember the 2018 or 17 one of the two Houston Rockets. James Harden, Chris Paul, uh, Clint Capella, P.J. Tucker, Trevor Reza was on that team. Gerald Green was on the team. They were, Mike D'Antoni was the coach. They were the definition of either you're getting a three-pointer or you're getting a layup. There's no in between. We don't care about no mid-range shots. We care about either you're getting your shots from the three point line or the or the 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 paint. And remember, that team was up three two against the Golden State Warriors, the same Golden State Warriors that had Steph Curry, Klay Thompson, Kevin Durant, Draymond Green. It got forced to a game seven. And the Miami Heat, I think, proceeded to miss 27 straight three-pointers. Now, the casual fan would ask yourself, and not, not, the people would ask yourself, why, if you're not making it, why keep shooting it? That's the logical question. All right. But again, it's about habits. They build habits. The team, the team, right, is is built on hitting threes and getting layups. And if you know, we're gonna live and die by the three. Fast forward to this Boston Celtics team. They lived and died on on the three. And Charles Barkley was he said it a little more aggressively, but I understand what he was saying. The Boston Celtics all year, of course, lived and died by the three, and they lived and died on making tough shots. If you looked at the Boston Celtics, they didn't run a lot of 
clean sets. They didn't run, and that's not just on the coaching. That's on when you have superior athletes. When you have a superior talent like like Jason Tatum or superior scoring like Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown, you can do that. But that's only going to get you so far. And as you saw in Game 7 of the Eastern Conference Finals, they I think they went 0 for 11, their first 11 threes. At that point, you're down 15, 16 points because you continuously, you don't stop shooting. Just keep going. I think changes are going to be made. Especially when we talk about the new CBA and and how that's going to be extremely penalizing to uh, teams that try to keep cores and try to give everyone max deals. This is it, I think changes are going to be made, and I think now is when you're going to see the breakup. Of the big two, which is, of course, Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown. People have been calling on it for years, right? But there has been success attached to Jalen Brown and, and Jason Tatum. And don't get me wrong. I understand, you know, the, the I mean, they were just in the Eastern Conference Finals last year. They're in the NBA Finals. So I get it. Oh, the year before, they, you know, they've been good. But I feel like there's a ceiling. There's a ceiling to the to the there's a ceiling with those two. And I don't know, I don't think that ceiling is NBA champion. Especially when your second best player, Jalen Brown, isn't doesn't isn't good at handling the ball. I mean, game seven, he had eight turnovers. And a lot of them were just him not being able to dribble the ball or handle the ball. Jason Tatum, a lot of people are going to say they probably would have won if he twisted if he didn't twist his ankle the first play. I don't I don't know. But there have been multiple times in this in this series where I mean, there was a running I think Jalen Jason Tatum didn't score in the fourth quarter. I think the first 3 games of the Eastern Conference Finals, the fourth quarter, the money, the, the money quarter, is what people like to say, Jason Tatum didn't score. Uh, I think changes are going to be made, and I think changes have to be made. I mean, you see the free agents that they have, and you see some of their older older players and, and contract discussions coming up. I think changes have to be made. I think you probably are going to see the big, you know, Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown, different teams, but you may not because we're hearing reports on contract extensions are already being discussed. Okay. I wouldn't be upset if they did it. I would understand completely. But again, I kind of feel like we've seen the ceiling for this duo. I think that is good. They're good enough to make it to an NBA Finals, but I just don't know when you you can't rely on tough shot making in a in a series, especially 
when you get closer to the NBA Finals because these the teams that you're playing are better. So you're not going to be able to rely on tough fadeaways or or tough step back three pointers. While yes, you can make them, but in an entire series, that's not going to fall. And this is also I, I, well, another reason why I think that there's changes going to are going to come is because. The Boston Celtics got help. Well, let me say this. Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown, they received help. Marcus Smart had a, a couple of good games. Grant Williams had a couple of good games. Not Grant Williams. Uh, hold up. I forgot Cuz's name that fast. I apologize, people. I am going to look up Cuz's name. And Derek White. Um, I apologize, Derek White. It's, well, it's my mind. But you had good games from Derek White. Derek White's the one that hit the game winner in uh in game six. So you got the con- contributions that you needed. It was just the stars didn't come to play. And you can't say that the Miami Stars were better than the Boston Celtics Stars because there was multiple games since game three, games four, five, and six. Jimmy Butler and Bam Adebayo were a no-show. In game seven, Bam was still a no-show. Jimmy Butler was okay. It was Caleb Martin that pretty much kept them afloat, even though they did lose game four, five, and six. Which I, which I also think is probably one of the biggest reasons why Caleb Martin didn't win the Eastern Conference MVP, Eastern Conference Finals MVP, because while he did have a good series, most of the games that he was really good in, they lost, except for Game 7. So, I don't know. But I do think that there are going to be major changes that need to happen. Not major, but there are going to be changes that need to happen for the Boston Celtics because you can't run it back. Because what are you running back? Again, you can you can blame it on the coach, right? But the coach that you that was better than him made it to the Eastern or made it to the NBA Finals and lost. You can. This year, you make it to the Eastern Conference Finals and you lose to an eighth seed. After now, yes, I will give them credit for winning three, you know, fourteen game seven, but that's that's where the credit stops because you still lost. You still the the record is what zero and one hundred and fifty one. So we get we're here at the NBA Finals and you have two. Very similar but drastically different teams. The Miami Heat and the Denver Nuggets. When I say very similar, the Miami Heat and the Denver Nuggets, they have multiple people, or or as we've seen in this playoff run, you have multiple people. They, they can hit you in multiple different directions, meaning the Miami Heat, Caleb Martin can go off. I think Tyler Euro is probably going to be back with a hand injury. Uh, Duncan Robinson had a couple big shots. Of course, you have Jimmy Butler, Kyle Lowry, Gabe Vincent, Bam out of Bob. Like, there, there's multiple 
ways that you can lose playing against the Miami Heat. And this, the same thing can be said for the Denver Nuggets. Outside Nikola Jokic, you have Jamal Murray, you have Michael Porter Jr., you have uh, Bruce Brown, you have Aaron Gordon. Coming off the bench, you have uh, Braun or Brown. There's there's so many KCP. There's so many ways that both of these teams can beat you. And I think that when we talk about well-roundedness, these two are the pro- are probably the most well-rounded teams in in the playoffs. And it's it's understandable now that you really sit back and look how the look how the playoffs have shaped out. You can understand how both teams made it to the NBA finals even with the Miami Heat having, you know, being an eighth seed. And when I say that they're drastically different, I'm really looking at the stars. Bam Adebayo has struggled majority of these playoffs, like mightily. I think that he's only had maybe three good games. And now Jimmy Butler has been incredible, but I'm looking mainly at Bam Adebayo because of his matchup. He's going to have to go against Nikola Jokic, two-time MVP. And Nikola Jokic has been, he's, he's arguably been the best playoff player this year. Most consistent, I think, averaging a triple-double right now. And the Miami Heat don't take a lot of threes, which is why it was shocking that they were taking a lot against the Celtics. But they don't take a lot of threes, which is why they have a really high shooting percentage because they don't take a lot. The Denver Nuggets, on the other hand, they take a lot. And they make a lot. But Denver, Denver can beat you multiple ways, and that the Miami Heat I don't think can. You know, uh, Nikola Jokic can be the facilitator. They can beat you in the paint. They can. They're both teams are physical, but I just think that the Miami or the Denver Nuggets have the bigger bodies. Uh, you know, Aaron Gordon Pauls is a big body. Uh, Bruce Brown is, you know, Michael Porter Jr. I think he's like 6'9". So they have, there's just multiple ways to beat you. And I feel that there's a lot of times that the Boston Celtics gave away games uh, against the Miami Heat in the Eastern Conference Finals. I don't know if that's going to be the same when we talk about the Denver Nuggets because, they're they're they haven't played in like a week and a half, two weeks, but they're playing their best basketball at the right time, and and it's it they can beat you in droves, and once that once that avalanche is going, it's going. I think that the matchup between Bam Adebayo and Nikola Jokic is going to be paramount as far as who is going to win this series. I, I, I have absolutely no faith that Bam Adebayo was going to slow down Nikola Jokic because Nikola Jokic has played better centers. I mean, he went up – or better players. He went up against Anthony Davis, who is Anthony Davis. Now, yes, we can talk about the inconsistency from Anthony Davis, but Anthony Davis is still better than Bam Adebayo. He also went up against DeAndre Ayton. They're pretty much on the same level, in my opinion. <laughs> and he went up against Carl Anthony Towns and Rudy Gobert. And 
There's a reason why a lot of people are singing the praise of Nikola Jokic, saying that he can, he's probably the best player in the league right now. I think that it's going to be a good series. Uh, however, I think it's going to be a quick series. I think I, I have Denver in five. I believe that the Miami Heat are probably going to win game one, only because the 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 Denver Nuggets have been sitting for a while, and it's very hard to sit and and. The Miami Heat just played. Now they're going to play, what, tomorrow? Tomorrow, Game one is June 1st. Yeah, so tomorrow. And I just I, I think that the Miami Heat has the momentum. They just played. They have the juice. After that, I don't – I don't – I don't – I just don't see – now, again, I, I also have said that I've counted the Miami Heat out every single stop. And they've proven me wrong. So maybe they'll prove me wrong again. But I have Denver in. I'll be, I'll be, I'll be not. I have Denver in six. I have Denver in six. I just think Denver is the superior team in the finals. And when we talk about stars, I don't, I don't see one brighter right now than Nikola Jokic in this series. So uh, I I have Denver in six. Let's move forward. I also, in conjunction to the NBA playoffs, we have the Stanley Cup playoffs and we have the Stanley Cup finals, which I also think that is crazy that we have two Florida teams in not only the NBA finals, but the Stanley Cup finals and both teams were eighth seeds, which, of course, is the Florida Panthers and the Miami Heat. The Florida Panthers are going up against the Vegas Golden Knights in the Stanley Cup Finals. Uh, and that's another thing. I don't understand it. I get it. I don't I don't get it, but, you know, it's their tradition. Why is it not called the NHL playoffs? Why is it called the Stanley Cup playoffs and the Stanley Cup Finals? I don't know. Like... I don't know. It's not called the Super Bowl playoffs. It's not called the Super, you know, it's not called the NBA finals. I don't know. Maybe that's, maybe now that I'm really sitting here listening to myself say this, it's kind of cool. But you have uh, the Florida Panthers going up against the Vegas Golden Knights. Now, the Vegas Golden Knights was, of course, one of the number one seeds going into. Uh, the the Stanley Cup playoffs and they have been they've been incredible. I mean, they haven't lost. They they haven't seen a game seven yet. They haven't seen a yeah. They haven't seen a game seven. They beat uh the first round. They won four one. Second round they beat the Oilers and uh, Connor McDavid four two and then they beat the Dallas Stars four two and I think the last game they beat them like six to zero. The Golden Knights is a fast team. They're a physical team and they can put up points in bunches. We've kind of seen this throughout the entire season in the NHL. They just this has been a season of points and the Vegas Golden Knights have they they put up points in bunches and they're just fast and physical and they're big. Um on on the other hand though think about this the floor the they were the 8th seed the Florida Panthers right the Florida Panthers have only lost 
three, four games this entire playoffs. They they came back from three one against uh, the Boston Bruins. They beat the Toronto Maple Leafs and Austin Matthews four one, and they beat the Hurricanes, which a lot of people had beat winning at all. They beat the Hurricanes four zero. And a lot of it is due to Matthew Kachuk just being just going crazy. <laughs> Matthew Kachuk is obviously their best player, and it's kind of like the NBA playoffs and the Stanley Cup playoffs. Your stars need to need to need to come alive, and that's kind of what we saw. I mean, Austin Matthews kind of struggled in that series against the, or kind of struggled mightily in the series, and in Boston, it, it, it Pasternak didn't really do much. But Matthew Kachuk has has really led this team to the playoffs. And honestly, it's hard for me to, which I also think is crazy because the Florida Panthers were the number one seed last year. Uh, so maybe there's a President's Cup curse. I don't know because they got balanced out with the first round last year and now they're in the wild card and then the Western or they're, Stanley Cup Finals. I think I'm going to go with the Florida Panthers. Again, the Florida Panthers, they have gone through a a Saints row. I mean, beating Boston the first round, then having to play the Toronto make-believes, then having to go against the Carolina Hurricanes. That's tough. Now, yes, Vegas is yet another number one seed that they have to play. They played two of them already. And Vegas... Vegas hasn't had that much of a uh, or that hard of a route outside of maybe the Oilers uh, because you're going up against Connor McDavid. I'm I'm gonna go with the Florida Panthers. I think Florida is going to win it. I just think that their the road's been tougher. Matthew Kachuk is playing the best hockey he's played probably in his career, and I, I just. I just feel the road has been tougher, and don't get me wrong, uh, the Vegas Golden Knights are tough and and definitely deserve to be in the Stanley Cup Finals. But if you do like a ranking, I don't know if I'd put them over the Boston Bruins or the Toronto Maple Leafs or honestly the Hurricanes. So, and Florida is hot. They are obviously they're playing the best hockey that they can. So. I my prediction is I have Florida winning the Stanley Cup playoffs or Stanley Cup finals. I'm probably going to say in 6 games. So I have the Panthers in 6. So let's move forward. One thing that we didn't talk about, let's 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 bounce over back to basketball. You see what I did there? <laughs> Um, one thing that we didn't talk about a lot, I don't actually, yeah, I don't, one thing that we didn't talk about a lot on this podcast is, uh, the new CBA and how the new CBA kicks in next year and is going to be crippling for a lot of teams. It's going to be crippling for, it, it pretty much stops or pretty much puts a an, an end to dynasties because of the stipulations and and how expensive and how detrimental it's going to be to teams uh, that try to 
you know, give big contracts to multiple players on a team or or try to like there's no more. It's it's virtually impossible now for KD to go back to a Golden State or you know, Miami Big Three. That's just that just can't happen anymore with the new CBA. Not saying it can't, but the penalties and stipulations is almost borderline male practice. Um, and honestly, if it wasn't for if the new CBA rules that's going to kick in next year or kick in next season, if it was this season, you wouldn't see Kevin Durant to the the Kevin Durant deal to the Suns wouldn't have happened. Um, it, you really, you you wouldn't have Dante DiVincenzo. I don't think he would have went to Golden State. Uh, I don't think PJ Tucker PJ Tucker that deal for he wouldn't be in this, on the Sixers. It's just so, with the first apron, the second apron, and if you're on the second apron, which like the Gold State Warriors and uh, the Clippers are right now, uh, you you lose draft pick. It's it's big. It's huge, which is why I think it's beaten. Not not as much because of his bad season, but because of the new CBA rules, which really just destroys the middle class of the NBA because of the contracts. You're either going to get a big contract or a small one. That's just how it's going to be. Um, I think because of the new CBA rules, it's very important that Golden State uh, probably trades Jordan Poole, and I don't know if anyone's going to take Jordan Poole straight up, so Jonathan Minga is probably going to be a casualty as well. Um but the new CBA really makes it tough to have stars on your team and acquire stars on your team as far as, you know, for trade and everything and build around that. And that news, of course, comes off the back of Nick Nurse. Nick Nurse, who was fired from the Toronto Raptors, uh, just got a job or is now the new head coach for the for the Philadelphia 76ers. The the intrigue of of playing or coaching Joel Embiid and Nick Nurse's relationship with uh Monty or William um Daryl Daryl Morey, I'm sorry. Daryl Morey was one of the biggest factors of why he picked the Philadelphia 76ers over the Phoenix Suns because the Phoenix Suns wanted him as well but I also think it has to be because of the new CBA rules you see we don't know what's going to happen with the Philadelphia 76ers and James Harden but it's looking more and more apparent that James Harden probably is not going to be there or if he is going to be there he's not going to be there at the price that he thinks he's going to be there because if you look the new CBA pretty much makes it this, the top players are going to get top money. That's that's just regardless. But you only leave like, for instance, let's look at a team like the Lakers. You your big money, of course, goes to LeBron James and and Anthony Davis. Now you have to. Now let's say you have seventy million, seventy million for the entire for the rest of your roster. That's just not going to. You're going to see a lot of backloaded contracts because it's just not going to work. Um, so, a lot of people are saying, "How did? How could Nick Nurse give up 
the or the opportunity to coach Kevin Durant and Devin Booker over Joel Embiid, well, he's I mean he's he's remaining in the Eastern Conference. That's one thing, and he's had incredible success coach or coaching against Joel Embiid. I mean his I mean let me see Nick Nurse. NBA champion, coach of the year, 2020. Uh, he won the two G League championships, G League coach of the year. Like he's he's pretty good. He's a good coach, um, and he's had in the championship he won. Of course, we know about Kawhi Leonard and and the big shot that he hit against the Philadelphia 76ers and Joel Embiid. So I think it's a, a home run, uh, but. It's going to be very hard to build the Phoenix Suns, even with Chris Paul, if he does, if they do find a suitor for Chris Paul and DeAndre Aiden. It's going to be very hard to build around, even with KD and Devin Booker, it's going to be hard to build a, 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 a championship team with those contracts and the new CBA law kicking in next year, which I also think is kind of crazy. Because usually when new CBA rules happen they usually gives you like a they usually give you like a three three to five year uh stretch or three to five year preparation period before it kicks in like i think next year or in two years i think next year might be the first because remember we've been hearing about uh they're gonna be you're gonna be able to draft players out of high school again i think that kicks in either this year or next year or the year after. Like, they've given us, like, a five-year uh, a five-year preparation period. This one, they made the decision now, is happening next year. That's crazy. But, shouts out to Nick Nurse. I think that I, I think that they've improved with, as far as the Philadelphia 76 and their coach with Nick Nurse. He's a very good coach. I think I mean, again, you have to look at the team when your star player, which is, of course, Kawhi Leonard, he leaves. And now is Pascal Siakam and Fred Van Vliet, who are both good players. But there's obviously a ceiling to a team led by Pascal Siakam. And I don't think that ceiling is championship. But the the Toronto Raptors were in contention a lot of times or were in contention to playoffs or, or a really good team a lot of times because of Nick Nurse. So. Shouts out to Nick Nurse, and I think that this makes the the Philadelphia 76ers a better team. I am I am curious to see, of course, what happens with James Harden. But uh yeah, shouts out to Nick Nurse, man. And shouts out to the 76ers. So let's go over to football a little uh, for a second. And you're hearing about DeAndre Hopkins and you know, you're hearing about an arms race between the Kansas City Chiefs and Buffalo Bills. Both teams, I think, could. And let's let's be honest about DeAndre Hopkins. DeAndre Hopkins, right? DeAndre Hopkins has been in the league since 2013. He's had one, two, three, four, five, six, six seasons where he has caught over 1,100 yards. DeAndre Hopkins, now last, you know, last 2001 for the Cardinals, 572 yards. Last year, 717 yards. 
we know about the struggles that he and the uh, Arizona Cardinals have had. Now, of course, most of his seasons he was playing in Houston, and we know how bad Houston has been. DeAndre, I don't. It's very hard, obviously, for wide receivers to get in the Hall of Fame. But I think that DeAndre Hopkins at least was on the trajectory of being a Hall of Famer and, and probably could be a Hall of Famer. Don't get me wrong. like I, He's definitely a Hall of Fame talent. And for a good portion of his career, he has been the best wide receiver in the league. Uh, and I think that he would play major roles in both on both the Kansas City Chiefs and the Buffalo Bills. Right now, the Buffalo Bills are in desperate search for a second wide receiver. Um, Gabe Gabe Davis, he's good, but he he hasn't shown the consistency to be an, a number two. And, of course, you already have a number one in Stephon Diggs. I think if you have a number two with the quality of DeAndre Hopkins and you have Josh Allen throwing him the ball in that offensive scheme, that would be insane. On top of that, if you go to the Kansas City Chiefs right now, the Kansas City Chiefs have a have an incredibly young, um, incredibly young wide receiver core. I mean, Sky Moore, Kadarius Tony. I think that DeAndre Hopkins, while he won't play the cheetah role because he's not that fast, um, I do think that he would be incredible. For he'll be a think about that. Damn, think about that, yo. Patrick Mahomes throwing the ball or having the option to throw it to DeAndre Hopkins or Travis Kelsey is crazy. I think he would be best and his – I think his services will be needed more on the Ravens. Him – I still – I understand about Odell Beckham Jr., don't get me wrong. Uh, and, and I think that Odell Beckham Jr. still has the capability to be a number one. It's just we haven't seen it in a while. Uh, but imagine DeAndre Hopkins, Odell Beckham Jr., Rashad Bateman. Like whew. Now, of course, I forgot to mention, this is coming off the backs of the uh, the Arizona Cardinals releasing DeAndre Hopkins which is crazy to me because they get absolutely no compensation for his services. So, but I think that right now the the two teams in the in 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 leading the pack to get DeAndre Hopkins is of course the Bills and the Chiefs, and I think that if he goes to either, that's that's huge for both teams. But I would like to see him, and I'm not just saying this because I'm from the DMV. Um, but I would like to see DeAndre Hopkins in the Baltimore Ravens. I think him with Lamar Jackson and and that that squad would be crazy, honestly. Uh, lastly, before I go, again, I took a break last week, so uh, I wasn't able to talk about the Carmelo Anthony retirement when it happened. So I'm going to talk about it now. There are certain players in every era that shapes not just how the, the, the outcome of the era, but shapes how we view other players. 
and whether it's it's right or not, that's just how it is. I think about it. Because of Michael Jordan's dominance, we view Dominic Wilkins differently. We view Charles Barkley differently. We view someone like John Stockton differently. All great players, but because they never were able to, they was never able to win the chip because you have Michael Jordan, and the two years that Michael Jordan wasn't there, you had Akeem Olajuwon. Like, we look at those players differently, and we discuss those players differently. That's just sports in general. And also, it doesn't even have to be about, it's not just basketball. Think about it. The way we, because Tom Brady, we look at Aaron Rodgers a little differently. We look at Drew Brees a little differently. We look at Phillip Rivers. Phillip Rivers is a big one. We look at Phillip Rivers differently. All, in fact, let's. Let's take Aaron Rodgers and Drew Brees out of it. Let's look at Phillip Rivers. You look at Phillip Rivers drastically different. In this era now, I'm sure if things – I think Patrick Mahomes and Joe Burrow are going to be in contention for a lot of championships, which is going to change the way that we – or when it's all said and done, we're going to look at Josh Allen a little differently. We're going to look at Joe, uh, Justin Herbert. We're probably going to look at Lamar Jackson a little differently because they were ne- if, if, it, if it plays out the way that it, it's currently playing out, they were never able to get over that hump and win the championship. We look at Char- Charles Barkley as the butt of the joke in inside the NBA. When Quiz is kept, Charles Barkley is probably the second bet. Nano, probably is the second best player on that panel. And is in to be honest with you, he was very close to Shaq. Shaq was just the most dominant, of course. He played with Kobe and had championships, but Charles Barkley wasn't that far off when we talk about dominance. Carmelo Anthony will go down as one of the greatest scores the league has ever seen. Not the greatest, but one of the greatest scores we've ever seen. Definitely one of the greatest scores of his generation. Carmelo Anthony is a 10-time All-Star. He's made all-second team twice, all-third team twice. He was a scoring champ. Rookie first team, and of course he was on the All-75 team, All-NBA 75. When we talk about Carmelo Anthony, and think about that, think about the era in which Carmelo Anthony was in as a forward. Just think about the forwards that were playing when Carmelo Anthony was playing. LeBron James. Kevin Durant, Tracy McGrady, Vince Carter. Like these, these, look, Kobe Bryant was still there. Tim Duncan. When we talk about Melo, 
a lot of times we get brought up, of course, is his lack of championships. Completely negating, for a lot of people, negates everything he's done in his career. Melo, in my opinion, will go down as one of the greatest scores and probably one of the most beautiful jump shots we've ever seen. I do. I, I respect the argument, uh, and and I agree with a lot of a lot of the points when people ask, "Well, who who is going to retire his jersey?" That's the problem with journeymen, and that, not journeymen. Well, that's the problem with players that have been on multiple teams. Carmelo Anthony, he he. I think he played six years in in. Six years in Denver, and I think seven years in in the, for the Knicks. And in those years, of course, for Denver, he they did make it to the Eastern Conference Finals, uh, and I think he made it to the second round in New York, maybe once or twice. However, Melo was Melo was Melo, man. He he will go down as one of the greatest scorers to ever play. And I do love and respect the fact that he's able to go off on his own terms, not because of injury, not because, you know, not because of any off the field or off the court thing. He's because he just he retired after 19 years. Shouts out to Melo, probably the greatest Syracuse basketball player we've ever seen. One of the greatest scores we've ever seen. One of the one of the purest jump shooters we've ever seen. Baltimore's finest. Has his jersey tired at Syracuse and probably gonna have his jersey retired in Denver. And I think that they're gonna retire both. I think Denver will could argue I I would not be upset and I hope that they do this. I think Denver will be the first team to retire one number for two players. I think they're going to retire Carmelo Anthony's uh, 15 jersey. And I think they're going to retire Nicole Yoku's 15 jersey. Um, but shouts out to Melo, man. Shouts out to Melo on an incredible career. And Melo was that dude, bro. Uh, while we were recording... Um, the news broke about Bob Myers not being the or stepping away from the GM position of for the Golden State. And I think that's huge. When we talk about the success of Golden State, a lot of it is because of the visionary vision and, and because of the, the genius that was Bob Myers. I mean, it's not just me saying it. Steph Curry said it. Draymond Green said it. Almost everyone that's talking about Bob Myers have said it. And I did say when we were talking about is the dynasty over, one of the most important pieces to that dynasty needing to continue is Bob Meyer. Now, yes, somebody can come in and do the job, but I don't know if they'll be as successful as Bob Myers was. Um We'll just have to wait and see, I guess. But shouts out to Bob Meyer and congratulations for kind of like I just talked about with Melo, being able to step down on your own terms. Um, 
I think Bob Meyer will go down as one of the most successful GMs we've ever seen. And just think about think about what the Golden State Warriors was before he became the GM and how they are, where they are now. People talk about money and and how you know what's the net worth of the team. Just look at the championships. And look at the smart moves. Like, look at the moves. Think about that, man. Look at the moves that could have happened. Remember, Golden State, Monte Ellis was a fan favorite for Golden State. Like, people loved Monte Ellis. They chose Steph Curry. Who was dealing with injuries, ankle injuries? They chose Steph Curry over Monte Ellis. Remember, there was a deal on the table. To send Clay Thompson, I think, to the Knicks for David Lee. No, Clay Thompson uh, for Kevin Love. Imagine if that would have happened. Don't get me wrong. Uh, Kevin Love is a really good player, but he's not Clay Thompson. Multiple times when you heard about Steph Curry, was imagine if the Minnesota Timberwolves draft Steph Curry. There's just so many things that could have happened that didn't because of the 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 hindsight that Bob Myers had. Getting Andre Iguodala. Getting Clay, uh, Drake, Clay, Kevin Durant. Not trading Draymond Green. Because remember, they had a deal to get Draymond Green up out of there a couple times. Getting Andrew or trading for D'Angelo Russell, which then ultimately turned into Andrew Wiggins. And we know how big Andrew Wiggins has been for the team. So shouts out to Bob Myers, man. And and I said this is a very important offseason for the Golden State Warriors, and this is the first domino to fall. And I I don't I want to see how they recover. If they recover, especially with the new CBA rules and everything, that's going to be extremely difficult for them to make moves. So we'll see. But there you have it. That has been today's episode of the Unpopular Podcast. I truly appreciate you guys. Um, if you want a popular podcast shirt, hoodie, sweater, long sleeve joggers, the link in the description below. I have multiple different colors, multiple different designs. Get your unpopular podcast merch today. Also, please subscribe to the socials. Please subscribe to Instagram. Please subscribe to Twitter. Not Twitter. Um, TikTok. And, I mean, I, I pretty much post daily on both. Uh, now that I'm back, of course, I did take a week off. But now that I'm back, you're going to see... You know, you're going to get the regular content that you've been getting. And I appreciate everyone that supported, everyone that is supporting. I appreciate the followers. I appreciate um, the comments. I appreciate it all, man. You guys, you guys mean a lot. And honestly, it's it's hard taking a break sometimes because I, I feel like I'm letting people down. Uh, but I do appreciate all you guys' support. Uh, and until next time, much love.